I'm your inner dream monologue, and you're fast asleep, so I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So uh, he listened to Born to Run and is blasting. And he's talking on the phone. I don't know how he's hearing who, he, who he's talking to. I don't know how he's hearing the record or paying attention to it. So when it finally ends, I said, well, what do you think? He says, well, I like the ref. He says, I don't know too much about anything. I said, all right, look, I said, I'll get back to you in, in time. And I walked out, told Bruce, he was devastated. And uh, what are we going to do now, Mike? I said, well, that's a good question. I don't know. I said, why don't you go home to Staten Island? Staten Island. Why don't you go home to Hasbury Park? I'll go to my office. And if I think of anything, I'll get back to you. Well, just as I was entering my building, I did think, I said, supposing since we made a load of friends at FM radio, I took the, the, the Born to Run master and sent that tape around to 50 of our friends in, in tertiary, secondary, primary markets, okay? And, and that they went on it, and they went on it. And they did go on it, 50 of them, okay? And when they went on it, it sent all the college kids running into the, to the record stores to buy the album. There was no album, okay? So this is the mortal sin that a guy like me can commit on behalf of a record guy, is to give them the single before the album's in the store. This is the second part of my discussion with Mike Appel, Bruce Springsteen's first manager. Uh, I hope you've already listened to part one. If you haven't, stop, go listen to part one, then come back and listen to part two. Thanks. One of the things that frustrates me as a fan is I will discover a musician or I'll discover a TV show or I'll discover a book and I'll almost be, you know, I'll be prophesizing about it. Right. I'm this, this voice in the wilderness saying, Oh, this TV show is so great. Why aren't more people watching it? This musician is so great. Why aren't we listening to it? So, and I'm not connected. So talk to me about, you know, you, you've heard Bruce, you've determined the kid may have a little something and yeah. you've decided and then you're going out and you're young, you're full of energy and you're trying to get people to notice. And it it took a little time. So tell me some stories of those early days. Well, uh, you know, it's uh, it's like. 
Well, it did and it didn't take time. Let me let me okay. say let me say it to you like that. Okay. Uh, what initially happened, I think, was that my huh, how do I put this in layman's terms? Um, my expectations were such that it gave me kind of hmm, superhuman powers. Okay. To, say, to, 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 to speak in the vernacular that you'll understand a little bit. Um, things opened up to me so much so, not because of my desire, but because of my expectation. Bruce Springsteen was so good that I had expected everybody to like him. I didn't think he needed a band. I just think he needed him, his guitar, and his voice. Okay. Right? That was uh, um, not to be, uh, obviously. Obviously, yeah, I ended up with the East Street Band and Clive Davis and, and, and Bruce both wanted it. And my partner at the time, Jimmy, wanted it. And I, me and me and Hammond were the only ones that were held out for Bruce just with his guitar would be sufficient. Um, in, in retrospect, I think everybody was right. I was wrong. I think John was wrong with me on that one. In any case, um, that happened quickly. He got signed to the William Morris Agency quickly. Everything happened very, very quickly in the first month or two. Okay. Then, then reality set in. Now you got to go make this record. When you finish with that record, then you got to go out and you got to hit 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 the road, and you got to most likely start from scratch. You got to go into bars, right? Play bars. Now, of course, there were uh, an abundance of, of bars back and then that there aren't today. Um, so you, you couldn't even do today the kind of things we did, but. We did do that, and we and, and we started to build a little teeny following. Okay, the first record came out and kind of didn't make much of an impact. Then we did a second record, and it didn't do much of an impact. And we were just barely staying alive because we had a good, great black manager at uh, uh, William Morris Agency who just loved Bruce Springsteen. He okay. loved that. He loved that first album, and he wanted him. He, he he got it in his head. That he wanted to make this happen. He was a black man going to make the next uh, Bob Dylan in his mind. Okay, that's what he was thinking. So okay. I said, well, good, whatever, you know, whatever gets you on Bruce's side, I'll back that. So we kept going, kept going, kept going, kept going. Finally recorded Born to Run. And then the brakes were put on by the record label. They were not giving us attention because Clive Davis, our champion advocate, whatever you want to call him, um, got fired by Columbia Records because, you know, he had spent money on a bar mitzvah, you know, from corporate funds, which should have been expended, you know, okay. hiring, okay. you know, promotion men, not, uh, you know, whatever the, whatever the expenses were for the bar mitzvah. So he got fired. He went over to Arist and became a big success. You know, Clive is what he is. But for us, that was a disaster because we lost our, you know, our, our backer. And now what happens is now you're in with a load of guys who I actually like. A lot of a lot of those guys I like, Charlie Kaufman. I know you had Brian Kaufman on not too long ago. Charlie, his father, was a good old friend of mine, a great guy. He publishes some of my songs right to this day. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, I've written for him. So I mean I know just what I'm talking about when I said it. Sure. And his biggest writer was my best friend, and he was in two bands of mine, Alan Gordon, the guy that wrote all the turtle heads. Uh, celebrate for Free Dog Night. Uh, okay. Uh, that belongs to me for Barbara Streisand. Okay, uh, whatever. 
right? That's my friend, Alan Gordon, great guy, terrific guy, funny, funny, funny fellow too. Now he's passed on, it's a shame, man, really, colon mm-hmm. cancer. And, and, and in any case, um, I'm just trying to think what, what was my point of bringing up uh, Charlie Koppelman, or Brian Koppelman. Well, because you were you were saying, and and I take it you never lost faith. Like That's you, even after the first two albums, you're like, people are gonna get this. I believe that this man has this the enough. talent. Right. This the the light is this the light switch will click. Right. Sometime. And it, yes, at at some time, right? But I'm an impatient guy, and sure. so sometime wasn't coming fast enough to me. So I, I, I said to myself, well, let's go and do, let's start the, 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 the third album. Let's see whether I can get these guys off the dime. So we finally finished after six months, Born to Run. Born to Run was like, you know, this monstrosity of a record. I mean, there's things on there that you hear for two or three seconds and they took us forever. And then like string sections that come on for three or four seconds and then they're gone. That's yeah. it. Just that little moment in time. That's it. Boom. So a lot of time and effort and energy was spent on that single song. I, the two of us go to, to meet with Steve Popovich, who was the head of promotion for Columbia Records. And when I walk in, Bruce didn't want to come up with me because I think he was too, he was just too uh, afraid to face any like suit, if you will. Um, and this was a guy that, that uh, I liked. I liked sure. Steve um, but he, he just didn't have, if, 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 he, if he didn't love it, it would be a knife in Bruce's heart. Okay. Right. This was, Bruce was putting all those eggs in that, in that basket. I went up there and of course, when I walk in, uh, Steve, Steve is on the phone. He's got two phones on, on each ear, you know, back in the day, they used to have, you know, phones, remember? Phones? Sure. And he had one on each ear talking to his promotion men all around the country. Right. And I said, Steve, I'll come back. No, nonsense, nonsense. Give me the tape. Give me the tape. Yeah. And, and then he keep, goes back. He's, he's talking while he's putting the tape on. He's talking to one of the, uh, you know, yeah. promotion men out there in Chicago. So uh, he listened to Born to Run and it's blasting. And he's talking on the phone. I don't know how he's hearing who, he, who he's talking to. I don't know how he's hearing the record or paying attention to it. So when it finally ends, I said, well, what do you think? He says, well, I like the riff. He says, I don't know too much about anything else, Mike. I said, all right, look. I said, I'll get back to you in, in time. And I walked out, told Bruce. He was devastated. And uh, what are we going to do now, Mike? I said, well, that's a good question. I don't know. I said, why don't you go home to Staten Island? Uh, Staten- uh, why don't you go home to Asbury Park? I'll go to my office. And if I think of anything, I'll get back to you. Well, just as I was entering my building, I did think of something. I said, supposing, since we made a load of friends at FM radio, I took the, the, the Born to Run master and sent that tape around to 50 of our friends in, 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 in tertiary, secondary, primary markets, okay? And, and that they went on it, and they went on it. And they did go on it, 50 of them, okay? And when they went on it, it sent all the college kids running into the, to the record stores to buy the album. There was no album, okay? So this is the mortal sin that a guy like me can commit on behalf of a record company is to give them the single before the album's in the store. Right. Okay, that's right. the cardinal sin. That's a mortal sin. All right? I knew that going in. And Bruce, when he heard me to tell him that that's what I was going to do, says, he says, I don't know what to expect. I said, 
Well, that makes two of us. I don't know what to expect exactly either. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. What do you think I am? Uh, I, I can't see the future. I'm not prognosticating it. I'm just hoping that this works. Okay. Because right. so, at this point, you know, your thought is, what do I got to lose? Right. I've got to try something different. Exactly. And so let's can't do it the conventional way. Right. And, and so, uh, and you knew you had something special. Like, did you sure. think, Born to Run was another level from the other songs that he had been doing? Not so much the other songs, but what it was, was it, it was a heavier song and writing your, you know, smash mouth rock and roll, writing yeah. your face, still having his brand of the sophisticated poetic lyrics. Okay. So, so, but it was a step up in, 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 in every regard, really, you know, I, I wouldn't say it, 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 it it was like better than all songs because there was some, I mean, if you listen to New York City Serenade and you listen right. to some of those, so there, there, there are some incredible songs there, right. and some incredible statements and some, you know, great atmosphere and whatever. But but the fact is, yes, to, 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 to be the first song off the album and to try to make it, make the album stand on the back of Born to Run success. And yeah. yes, yes, it was that. It, it fulfilled those promises. You know, I've heard... Um... My first musical love was Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys. <laughs> well, and, everybody's. You know, yes, right. <laughs> and so you hear stories of him doing pet sounds and good vibrations uh, that same way, right? Uh, Spending mm -hmm. hours on something that may only last, 
you know, three or four seconds on the album. Right. And so when I hear you telling that story, I think of that kind of your that tapestry to you know uh speaking of brill building right carol (laughs) with carol king but building that tapestry and building that and you're like uh you know in a lot of ways i picture you know a young mike appell taking okay i've got a hundred dollars i'm gonna put it on one number on the roulette table and go correct here we go throw the dice that's right throw the dice that is exactly what we did. And we did actually get lucky there um, because when I say we got lucky, uh, well, I got in hot soup first. Yes, exactly. Lucky. Right. It didn't, get, uh, yeah, it didn't happen immediately. What happened was uh, uh, everybody called the local you know, promotion men for Columbia saying, hey, what's yeah. this record on the radio? And it's not in the stores. All these store ma- man- managers called you know, their local Columbia record, uh, you know, office, yeah. promotion office. And then it got back to, you know, the heads of Columbia records. And it wasn't just the heads of Columbia records. It went above that. It went to, you know, CBS. Right. <laughs> now I'm not going to tell you the guy that called me, but he calls me, I pick up the phone and he says, Mike, in that nice, quiet voice, what are you doing? That's what it, what he says. And I go to start to explain it. The minute I start opening my eyes, I know what you're trying to do. And I don't like it one bit. And you know it. And he said, I can't believe you're doing this. He said, you never put the record in the, you know, on the radio before the record's in the stores. I said, well, you won't give me the money to do the record so I can put it in the store. So I get mad at him, right? And he said, Mike, you're not listening to me. Click. Oops. Now I don't even have a chance to talk to him and say anything and, you know, say, well, look, uh, I can't like even make amends. He's gone. Right. Yes. Now I'm saying to myself, is the next thing I'm going to hear, you know, a little, a little, or the next thing I'm going to get a little note from the, you know, inner council of <laughs> the illegal council uh, of Columbia records to Mike Appel, you know, your services are no longer, you know, <laughs> warranted and necessary. Okay or wanted. And so uh, I was very, very worried about getting such a thing. But at the, at the moment, we had another thing to contend with. Bruce had to go play this gig at Brown University. And uh, the Brown University wanted me to allow them to have a uh, an interview with Bruce. And I, I said, okay, I said, you know, I called Bruce, I said, Bruce, I said, you know, do uh, you know this interview with with uh, the, the Brown University Press? They've been good to us. You know, the, I think the College Station played his music a lot. You know, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So you, Bruce, Bruce, you know, uh, Bruce, Bruce was trying to he was trying to help you. He wasn't he wasn't wasn't being obstinate in any way whatsoever. So he goes and he does the interview. But I but I before he does. I said, you know, they just got this new president. His name is Erwin Siegelstein. He came from, you know, the television division. I don't know if he's going to know anything. I don't know if he's going to be much help to us, you know, getting getting our budget given to us. And, you know, I don't know, man. I said, I really don't know. His name is Erwin Siegelstein. But I know, just that's all I can tell you. He's, he's the new guy and we're going to have to deal with him. So that's it. Bruce goes, does the interview, does a great job with, you know, at the college, his normal blitzkrieg and boom, 
Yeah. Then I get a call from none other than Erwin Siegelstein the next day. I get on the phone and he says, you know, my son goes to um, Brown University, Mike. And I say, what the hell is this going to be? And, and, and so he says, you know, Bruce badmouthed me. In the, in, in the interview you did with, that he did yesterday with uh, Brown University Press. And my son is a huge fan and all of his friends are huge fans and it made him look terrible. I said, oh, this, I, I said to him, I got him, I got him, okay. He's a good Jewish uncle. I have had a few myself and they're great. When you get a good one, they're great, okay. So anyway, I said, I said, well, geez, you know, I, got, I, I hate to tell you this, but I said, I got, Bruce is going to do a, uh, an interview at, at, at Rolling Stone. I want to make sure I can get a hold of him, make sure he doesn't say anything bad. Said, oh, you get a hold of him and make sure he doesn't say anything bad. And I want to see you. I want to see Bruce. I want to see your lawyer tomorrow and Mercurio's for lunch. And let's get this thing together here. Okay, you hear me? No more Rolling Stone bad view. I said, no, no, oh, I'll get a hold of him. I'll get a hold of him. There was no interview. At right. Stone. Okay. I didn't have to do anything. So all, I just figured, hey, well, uh, strike while the iron's hot. You just advantage Pell. All of a sudden, when he said to me about his son, I said, "That's it, advantage Pell." So I yes. took advantage. And then the next day, when we went to 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 uh, the lunch, he was in this. He was this most buoyant character, and he was as absolutely uh, as, as gracious a host as you'd want for lunch. And uh, he said, "No Rolling Stone interview, right?" I said, "Well, you didn't hear of any, did he?" "Nope, I didn't." I said, "It's not going to be one." He says, you can do your third album. I grant you that. I grant you the budget. No problem. And so we all sat down and had a wonderful lunch and that was it. And that's how he got back to doing, be able to do the rest of the songs, the other eight songs that hadn't been mm -hmm. done yet. And you know those eight. So you know what we, what we had, yes. to, 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 had, had to accomplish. And then, you know, in the background, you know, you have the, the, the beginnings of the lawyers getting in touch with my accountants and, you know, like, oh, I'm some thief. And I, it just says, oh, boy. Oh boy, much ado over nothing. <laughs> well, and, but, but what, what can you do? You know, I, I was really impressed that in Bruce's autobiography, he says, This is my side of the story, but go read Mike's side of the story. He actually listed your book. And so I did. I went and read it and I enjoyed your book immensely. Um, and, and obviously, this is going to be hard, but let's forget financially did this personally cause you pain because you were one of Bruce's first cheerleaders. You believed in him. You believed in that magic and to be, to split up with him and then to see what happened. How long did it take you to adjust to that? And, and before we hit record, you shared some pretty insightful thoughts and I hope you can repeat them. <laughs> Okay. Well, the thing is this, um, when, when, when I got served papers in uh, June or something like June or July, yeah. um, uh, to, I guess it was 1976, um, I, I, I went to uh, Jules Kerr's and he said, well, I know a lawyer. I, I can't do this for you. I'm not a litigator. Um, he said, you go to this guy and, you know, he's, 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 he's one of those litigators and he's a damn good one. I said, okay, whatever. You know, I'm just saying to myself, I just got this, you know, in the mail here. And, uh, you know, I, now I know I got 
absolutely problems to deal with. Right. And I don't know how I'm going to circumvent them or make it through that that whole process. But in any case, I go over to, to Leonard Marks and he says, when I walk in the door, he, he, he says, hand me those papers. I hand him the papers. He looks at them. He says, you got any papers, any documents for Bruce? I said, yes. He says, get them for me. Have them here tomorrow morning. It's a divorce. Just like that. Mm. And I said, what do you mean it's a divorce? We just got the papers today. We, we're not even, we haven't even negotiated anything yet. Nobody's talked to anybody. How can it be a divorce? How can it be over? <laughs> he says, it's a divorce. I'm telling you, this is over. I can't go back. Well, I don't know if I could have gone back and actually tell you the truth. If I went to another lawyer, I don't know if I, you know, if I demanded it, I yeah. don't know if that was possible. Um, maybe things were too far gone, but maybe when Bruce finally signed off on that, that was it. He ain't going back either. So I, you know, he doesn't want to look like a fool. I don't know. You don't, you never know what the yes. other side's thinking or saying, because you don't, you're not talking to them. Um, nobody's confiding in anybody. So the lawyers say, don't talk to him. I don't talk to him. Don't talk to this guy. Don't talk to that guy. You know, you say, okay, whatever. <clears throat> I just left his office bewildered. I went out into Central Park. And I just stayed out all day. I just, it was like 11 in the morning. I didn't go back to my office till five or six. I don't even remember going back to my office. I may have just gone to my car and drove home. I, I just, you know, you're, you're, what you put your heart and soul in, you know, you gave up a lot, a lot, not only a lot of time, but I mean, you were betting on him to make it. And now he's made it. And now, you aren't going to be able to, you know, you know, have any of the, the fruits of your own damn labor. You know what I mean? Without a fight. You know, yeah, maybe you get some kind of settlement here and, and you'll get some sort of money out of it, you know. But your history, your, 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 your persona non grata. And that was quite bothersome to me. It was quite bothersome to me. I didn't, I didn't like it. It's the first time it ever happened to me. I mean, first, of course, was Bruce a litigator before this? No. Was John Lando a litigator? I don't think so. So yeah. all, all three of the actual principals never did this before. Right. All, you have all newbies going through this process. And it was going to cost us a lot of money. And it did cost us a lot of money, all of us. And, and it caused a lot of aggravation to all of us. Nobody got away without the aggravation. Everybody got it. But not too long after, things came into my life, books and philosophy came into my life that changed me forever. And they made me realize that, that Mike, you, you, you did your job. <laughs> you were part of a trio that came into this world. You had things that you were going to do. John Lando had things he was going to do. Bruce Springsteen had things he was going to do. You were the guy that was supposed to get it off. This is what I what I finally deducted, deduced. And and yet John was the guy to take it the rest of the distance, which he's done, you know, handsome, he did a handsomely good job. Okay. Yes. Doing just that. Because I know that. I tell it to him all the time. But you know, I say, listen, you know, I know. I know what you did, buddy. Okay. You don't have to say a thing to Mike Appel. I already got it. Okay. I know the rough waters and the treachery of uh, being Bruce Springsteen's manager, producer, whatever you want to call yourself. You know, that's it. That, I, I, that's a tough, tough gig. 
everybody's looking to stab you. They're looking to, you know, get in there, you know, on the, on the inside and get make a wedge between you. That's why I almost never, if I do something I, I, uh, that I want Bruce to know, I send it to him too. So that everybody gets something. So John never thinks I'm trying to be cute and go behind his back, pull some kind of nonsense. Because know? you understand, right? Like you understand that relationship because yeah. you've been yeah. there and it, you mentioned the divorce, right? Like you're like, I was the first wife, so I am not going to get around between the second wife and the second spouse, that's, right? That's exactly I, right. That's I, exactly I think right. that, yeah, that makes sense. It, 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 it did make sense to me. And I said, first of all, I, I have to have my own integrity. Yeah. If John thinks I'm like some sleazebag, how the hell, how the hell am I ever going to actually deal with this guy? Yeah. I can't deal with this guy like that. It has to be on, you know, above board all the way down the line. If he doesn't like something, uh, then, then John, come on, tell me what it is you don't like and we'll have it out. Okay. And then, you know, boom, 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 until we're both satisfied. And you mentioned earlier that before we hit record, you said that one of the things you think may have hurt you is John and you had not had a chance to get to know each other that right. you didn't have a chance to, for him, for you to understand him and where he was coming from and for him to understand you and where you're coming from. Cause obviously both of you cared about Bruce, not just as a, a person, but as an artist. Right. There's no question about that. I, I, I felt that if he had known me and, and maybe there had been no Bruce Springsteen in his life, in either of our lives, and we just ran into each other somewhere. Some lawyer put us together and said, hey, why don't you guys maybe get together and form a team yeah. and blah, 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 blah. We might have hit it off fantastic and become great friends and, you know, did, did God knows what, okay? Sure. But the fact is that didn't happen. And I, I, we didn't have that, the advantage of even that happening, you know, or, 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 or him coming to me and saying, maybe, Mike, maybe you could find a place for me here or something like that. Yeah. It was like, you know, Bruce wants me to now be his producer. Maybe you should just be the manager from here on out. And then the lawyer comes in and says, oh, well, yeah, instead of taking 20%, maybe we can have you take 10%. And it's like, hey, Philip, we haven't gotten this guy to first. You know, we've, we got him. Yes, well, I shouldn't say that. We got him to first base now. Now you want me to go take a lesser, a lesser cut me sure. in half. Uh, take away the production to cut the management in half and take the product of uh, the publishing away too. Are you, you know, I, you know, I don't have to do that without making you struggle for it. Okay. You know, and, and, and the guy, his, 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 their attorney, I, you know, his attorney. Sure. Not John, in fact, it wasn't even John Landau's attorney. I'm talking about um, the, 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 the attorney I'm talking about, I'm not going to mention his name. I'm just going to say that he was really, you know, a nasty individual. In other words, my lawyer was a nasty individual in certain ways, but he was a, a livable guy. So yeah. This guy was really not a livable guy. This guy was like a kind of like a dirty pool player. Well, I just, I just didn't, I just, I, yeah. I just couldn't. I mean, yeah, you can, you can always say he's doing the best for he can for his client. I said there is a point when you when you're doing that, and then there's a point when I know that you know that what you're talking about is all bullshit. It's absolutely bullshit. You know I'm not guilty of any of this shit, and yet yeah. you're trying to pretend to making me think that I'm I'm guilty when I know I'm not guilty. So don't waste your breath on me, Jack. 
um, you know, waste it, save it, save it for the judge, you know, uh, well, and, depositions. And as you said, correct, that, and I don't mean this to hurt anyone's feelings, right, but financially, there is a quick settlement doesn't help attorneys. Now, I, and I'm sure there are wonderful attorneys out there that have their best interests, their, their clients, but there are other attorneys that billable hours and what you can do, right? Like making things simple Absolutely. doesn't make you as much money. That's exactly right. Yeah. No question about it. I mean, that, that was a lesson I learned. I mean, yeah. I've learned a number of lessons, you know, I mean, uh, I, I got ripped off by D. Anthony, you know, I mean, definitely, I mean, really, D was, D yeah. was not, uh, D, D said, you know, he would take care of us and everything like that, and he didn't. Yeah. When it came to Sir Lord Bolton, he took the, the, the production money and ran away with it. Yeah. But, but in any case, in any case, that's okay. I mean, that's your education. You don't go to college to be in the music business. Right. You know, you go into the music business and then you take your lumps and that's your college education. And, and you get smart as you go along and you can't, uh, can't get away from that. How was your journey for, you know, as you, I'll use your words, divorce happened, you see Bruce's career, you go off and do other things creatively as well. Did, where was your, when did you become Zen with this? When did you understand, when did you become to understand, well, I did my part and now then, you know, 1980, 1980, really? February, February of 1980. I suddenly, uh, you know, like you, you want to use the word Zen, that's fine. Um, uh, even though it's not. No. Fact is, the fact is, it's it's sort of situation. You can't even look at it in terms like, uh, hey, you lost the money. It's like, you can't even talk to me like that. It's almost like, yeah, you don't understand me at all. Fella, I mean, you, you you think that I'm somehow mad that I didn't that I didn't get this and I didn't get that. I'm not looking for that kind of you know glory. I was never looking. I mean, Bruce may have even thought that, that I had designs on being a an artist. I gave that up. I told I don't know. I guess I didn't tell you. Um, uh, Doug Morris. I guess you know Doug Morris, who, who he is. Um, I mean, I guess the biggest. Uh, chairman ceo of of all the biggest you know record conglomerates yes there are from universal sony to warners um but he was my big backer he was mike appell to bruce springsteen i was bruce springsteen back in the he was the guy doug mars backed me and one day he was uh he i was one of the first record artists to go to be released on his new record label i had already cut the song for it I already sung it, okay? And uh, I walked in to his office. I said, hey, Doug, look, I got, I got, you know, I got bad news, Doug. I said, I found a guy that I want to I wanna back 100%. I don't want to, you know, pursue a career on my own anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm giving that up. Uh, I just want to go work on this guy because this guy is really different and really top of, you know, top of the pops, if you want to use that terminology. And, 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 you know, I'm sorry, but that's, but that's what I got to do. I got to do that. He said, well, what the hell are you giving up? You're throwing away your whole career for this guy? Who the hell is this guy? What's his name? So I say, Bruce Springsteen. He says, I never heard of him. I said, you will. 
And then I just did an about face and I left. And of course, when I ran into Doug, when Bruce was being inducted into the, you know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I went into the men's room and I, and I heard, uh, hey, Mike, hey, Mike. It was Doug. So we went through it. He told me the story once again that I just told you. Yeah. And, and then, we, then we went back out outside, you know, the boys' room. But uh, it, it was, he said, I always tell, I always, I always tell you that story every time I see you. And I tell other people that story. Because, it, you know, how many times is that, does that happen in an executive's life? And, 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 and Doug was a guy that was a wonderful guy. He wrote uh, you know, Sweet Talking Guy for the Chiffons. I mean, he was a writer. That's what I mean about the guys back then. They were writers. They, they knew how to write shots. They could manage people. They could produce people. You know, they, they could know how to sell things and promote things. And still somehow they could, you know, be one person to do all those different chores. Doug was one of those guys. He's not a suit. He's a yeah, guy that yeah. does new music and he does gravitate towards it. And, uh, and a good friend right to this day, this very day. That's, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. It, 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 it was, uh, it was just a special, a special time in my, in my life. But uh, again, um, you know, I knew that, that, that I was, I was born to do certain things too. And I'm getting to those things now. It's just that, to do the things that I need to be done, I needed to mature not only in the, in the facets, let's say, of Broadway and, yeah, writing yeah. Book, and writing books and what kind of books I want to write and how do I find the, 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 the what should I say, the uh, nuance of Mike Appel's artistry. How do I find that and, and, and how do I nurture that to make me a particular type? That oh that must be a Mike Appel thing or Mike Appel said yeah. that you know I, I, to find that you you, you know you, you know uniqueness and and that's what's taken so damn long and believe me like I said for a guy who has a short temper when it comes to patience uh, I've had to wait a long time. So what's next for you? Tell <laughs> me a little bit about what you've got on you're working on. Well, we ha- I have a few projects I can't go into. I understand. Because, because they involve, you know, big superstars. Okay. <laughs> and super personalities. And I don't want to say anything to those things are okay. tied up. And maybe there'll be a joint statement. And I don't want to be, be talking out of school about things and, Get you. You know, that, that I don't know about. And, and you're a good guy or a sweet guy. Um, I have to just shut. Well, I'll off. tell you what. When that they're is- ready to announce, you can come back and you can promote the hell hey! There you I go. Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you, so that's true. But what, but I do have my musical. I do have my musical. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Stage door Johnny. Uh, it, it, it. I've always been a guy that calls it as I see it. Yeah. And I haven't heard a good record. And I don't know when. I don't know. Thirty, forty years. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> like John Landau said to me, I was. I don't know. Maybe it was ten years ago. He, he said this to me. I was saying, listen, I have an eye. Listen, I listen to new groups all the time. He says, I said, I never hear anything, John. I never hear anything. He says, well, that's why I only had my, you know, <laughs> tape recorder uh, only up to 1975. I haven't recorded anything after 1975. So I had a laugh at that. But that was, that was me. You see, it's, it's things like that. When he says things like that to me, it makes me think that we could have been great friends. Because... Sure. 
he's he's you know like minds uh, you know think alike and uh, and they can get along well when when they're at, at loggerheads um, you know they can't but uh, you know I got along with John uh, pretty good when it came to all, all of the the songs we didn't have too many fights over things I mean uh, there's a couple of songs on uh, on uh, Born to Run uh, Linda Let Me Be the One and uh, Lonely Night in the Park that didn't make the uh, the final cut on, on on the album. And I think that John and Bruce did hope that I would like them because I think they wanted to pursue those things as perhaps pop, you know, chances, pop yeah. suggestions that might, if they can do it, maybe maybe work it out, maybe make it work. Yeah. But they seem to be so far left of center from where we were at the moment that I finally heard those things. It was like, I wasn't hear some. I wasn't hearing some fantastic pop rock song, rock songs, you know. And I didn't know how yeah. they could make those two things like <clears throat> anything, anything remotely like that. So I said, I don't think so, fellas. I just don't yeah. think they belong. And then there was the the, the one on the uh, uh, meeting across the river, where Bruce was a little surprised that I liked it. He said, I got this new song. I want to play it for you. Okay, great. Sit down. He sits down at the piano. I'm sitting down at the piano stool. He goes through the song. I said, I absolutely love it. He says, why? I said, I'll tell you why. It reminds me of Naked City and Late Night at the, on the Untouchables show after a mob hit and they blow that lonely saxophone. I said, there's something about the chord changes of the way you sing this song that makes me think that. And, and that's, that's all I can say. That's why. Okay, that's why. You know, Mike, there is a collection of short stories that are all based on that song, you know, that they, they published that short mystery writers wrote because that uh, is such a cinematic, you know, cinematic song. Uh, that's good. Um, obviously, my wife's name is Linda. So um, <laughs> I always joke at Linda, let me be the one. Uh, she rolls her eyes, but I always on our anniversary, I go and I'm so glad Linda did let me be the one. Um, so one of my listeners wanted to know specifically about Cherokee Queen. He said there are certain songs, right, that when you guys were splitting up, you kept the rights war. And he he specifically is just curious. That's his itch. And I said, well, I'll ask Mike about it, but I don't know if Michael have any stories to tell about Cherokee Queen. Yes. I, I, I really don't have anything to, to, to say about it. it was, I, I wasn't uh, anything that I remember or even arguing about or, okay. or, or you know, saying that I must have this. And, uh, you know, that, that, that doesn't strike a, a okay. chord with me. You know, I just don't, I don't know quite what to say about it. That's all. Okay, that's fine. You know? um, the, when you, and I've taken so much of your time, I appreciate it. When, when you saw, did you have the sense of a proud parent when you saw Bruce going into the Hall of Fame? And I guess that's a dumb question, but what, what, when you think back on your experiences, what, what are your thoughts? Well, you, you know, you, you, you see, if you had been at that event, you would have realized what a star studded event it really was. Yeah. I mean, I was sitting at a table right next to Wilson Pickett, Sir George Martin, uh, 
to Chris White from Chrysalis Records. And um, so there was one other person, but I can't remember who it was. But all of them, you know, it's all star-studded guys. I mean, I even went, uh, got over, whispered into into uh, Wilson Pickett's ears. I said to him, I said, thank you, Wilson Pickett, for, you know, uh, midnight hour. And he said, God bless you, son. God bless you. God bless you, my man. God bless you. <laughs> and and then later on, I spoke to Bruce because Bruce did Midnight Hour with Wilson Pickett on stage with the E Street Band. Yeah. And I actually yeah. spoke to Bruce after he he did that. And he said, Mike, he said, the most fun I had on stage with Wilson Pickett was when he yelled, Bruce, Bruce, in that raspy voice of Wilson Pickett. When he did that, he said, yeah, I'm on stage with Wilson Pickett and he's yes. calling my name, you know, and it, and it meant a lot. And when you think of Funky Broadway and all the great records that that guy sung and, you know, Land of a Thousand Dance, all those, and the great vocal, his vocals were so great, the way they screamed. I mean, yeah, James Brown too, you say the same thing sure. about James Brown. And, and you, you just fell in love with those guys. Like you, fell, you just fell in love with those guys. I don't know what to say. But, um, you know, it, it, it come full circle that night to some extent. And, and I was very, very happy to, to be there and to enjoy the, the, the uh, personalities that, uh, that I had a chance to speak to and the people that were, you know, um, very thankful that I discovered the guy that I discovered and uh, that uh, we hung in there with him until he made it. But, you know. Yeah. How many Bruce Spring? How many Bruce Springsteen's walking the, uh, are walking around? Not too many. No, not, not too, too many. Not too many. All right. I, um, I honestly believe, right, that you you never know. You know, there's alternate realities that you could talk about, but there is. I mean, I was not over exaggerating when I say when you talk about a founding father we would not have had, I would think, this career without your nurturing him and your perseverance and your drive. And uh, for that, for all of us fans, as we're recording this, there's rumors that they may renounce a tour tomorrow, you know, and we're all ecstatic. And, you know, and so, Mike, I just want to say thank you for that. I thank you for all of that. Well, I thank you for the for the compliment that... Uh doesn't get any uh, bigger or better than that. And uh, I'm honored that you, uh, you feel that way, you know, because, um, you know, it's like I always say, I can match Bruce in the managerial area and in the production area and the promotion area if he delivers every night on stage. Does Bruce Springsteen deliver every night on stage? For four hours straight, everywhere in the, on the, every city on the globe, yes, he does. So Mike, yes. get off your duff. So Mike, get off your duff. Okay, you got work to do. That's the way I looked at it, man. Yeah, he's doing it up there. I'm doing it over here. That's, that's nice. all of us doing. You got to go do it, and it takes two to tango, and it did. Yes. All right. Uh, before uh, before I get to the Mary question, any final thoughts you want to share to my listeners? Well. <laughs> It's, it's, it's what I took up in my musical. I believe that there are some great musicians out there. I believe that there's talent out there, but they are lost. They're just roaming around in empty canyons 
with no, you know, body to lead them anywhere. There are no Pied Pipers. There are no Bruce Springsteen's leading them. Uh, you know, uh, Bruce Springsteen's part of the classic rock era. But guys, you got to go back there because if you don't learn your history, like Bruce used to always say, Mike, I know my history. He did know his history. He paid attention to his history. He, he learned those historical songs, those historical riffs, how they were put together. These horn sections, this da da blah, 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 blah. He did it. How many years has he been touring his butt off? And how many cities and how many hours has he been rehearsing? And on that damn stage, forget about in the studio and writing time and rehearsing with the band, just being on the stage doing a real live gig. Huh? For 50 years, four hours a night? Hello? You know, it's like you get a kid who's one third his age uh, who can't uh, sing an hour. You yes. know, he bruises on there for four hours straight. So it's, it's no joke. This guy's the real deal. I mean, he's the he's as real as it gets, man. And, and 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 we're guys that you know we're tough guys too. We could play, you know. We were good, all right. So he, you know he comes from you know guys that know their stuff, you know, and know know other guys' stuff. Okay, so he was in good hands. He was in good hands for as long as I had him. He was in good hands, and he's been in good hands ever since. It's as I, simple as that. I love that. All right, so Jay Armstrong, if you are listening to this podcast because you wanted to hear Mike's story, I hope you were as entertained as I was. I end every podcast with a question that Jay Armstrong, he is an honors English teacher and uh, in the Philadelphia area, and he would take the song Thunder Road and would break apart for his seniors. They would look at all the lyrics. They would look at the imagery Bruce used and they would compare it to Robert Frost, the road not taken. And then he would ask his class at the end of the day, does Mary get in the car? So Mike, that's your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? She'd be a fool if she didn't. Well said, sir. Well said. If someone wants to reach you or to follow you, what's the best way? I guess it's just to go to the website and, you know, you get, you know, you can leave a, you know, an email and I get them all. And I, and I try to respond to all of them. I don't think I've ever not responded to an email. Okay. Well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. I, 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 I am honored that we've gotten to spend some time together. I will say again, all that history that Bruce learned, you were a big part of that and you were part of the thing that brought us this beauty and for that i am forever grateful long life great success to you my friend you are just <laughs> a treasure as well and Thank uh, you. let's Thank do you. this again sometime we will definitely listeners, listeners you go get vaccinated go get boosted go be kind to each other because that's how we're going to get through this thank you mike thank you listeners and we'll talk to you soon goodbye yeah. and we're out Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlessingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts as well as other music-themed podcasts. 
We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Brew shirts, as well as a Merry Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said listening Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.